This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. It's the Blood Red podcast, courtesy of the Liverpool Echo. I'm Guy Clark. Welcome along. Cup final weekend is here. Wembley awaits. Jurgen Klopp delivers fab injury news for Liverpool before going on the offensive against UEFA. We'll go look ahead to the cup final with Chelsea pick our teams and offer our match predictions as ever. To get involved, we have our glowing Liverpool correspondent, home and away tool Paul Gorse, the chief Ian Doyle, and also in from the cold for the big occasion is Mark Wakefield. Gents, I trust you're all well. And uh, Gorsty, as uh, Doyle mentioned before we've come on air, you are glowing today and glowing in anticipation of what maybe the Reds have to offer on Cup Final Weekend. Something like that, yeah. Um, he, he asked me if I've been on the Sunbeds. I'm not too sure when I would have had five minutes to get on the Sunbeds, to be honest, given how busy it is at the moment. But um, yeah, looking forward to another trip to Wembley. Um, third trip since the end of February. So it's... Um, been good so far, actually. Penalty win, FA Cup semi final win. Um, so we're looking to uh, make it a hat trick tomorrow afternoon, aren't we, Doily? Doily, bring you in then, rather than you just nodding along. It doesn't quite work for the, <laughs> doesn't quite work for the, uh, the podcast listeners. But in terms of this season, as, as Gorsi said, their third trip to, to Wembley to come, it's not really felt like Cup final week, though, has it? Because of the amount of games, it's just not had the, the build up it usually would. Um. Well, hang on, what does Cup Final Week seem like? What well, I mean, it like? what is it, Liverpool's first FA Cup Final in 10 years? I mean, I thought there would have been a bit more kind of feel to it than, than what there has. I don't know I think, specifically I what... In the last couple of years, they have done some other things, like, so it's not been quite as much of, you know, let's just say it was... I'm just going to pick a team off the top of my head. So let's just say it was Arsenal getting to an FA Cup. I'm not going to say that. Right? Okay. <laughs> just say it was Tottenham. Serial Cup Finalists. I know, yeah. Tot- I know, I know. Tottenham getting to a Cup Final which doesn't sound unusual, but it actually is. That would be like a, a bigger deal. I think I think also the fact that they, you know, they're going for all four trophies. It was the only trophy they were going for. I'm pretty sure the, you know, the anticipation would be slightly different, especially as they've already got one in the bag against the same opposition oh, at the same ground, what was it, about three months ago? Less than three months ago, in fact. So I suppose in that sense, it's not. it doesn't have quite the same kind of ring to it that perhaps it would have otherwise done. But I'm pretty sure once everybody starts getting down to Wembley, that's when it'll hit people. It's like it's a big game, it's a big occasion. And we could do about a thousand podcasts on this, but for me, the FA Cup is more important than the League Cup. So if they were going to win one of them of the two, then this is the one that I'd be wanting them to win. And for me, this is a this is a bigger occasion than the League Cup. Although, in the context of the season and the way things have gone for this team, getting that League Cup in the bag is massive because no matter what happens, they know they've got that trophy and, and they know they can beat Chelsea at Wembley, even if it goes down to the goalkeepers having to take penalties, they know they can do it because they've done it already. And while they haven't beaten Chelsea in the league since, I think it's since Frank Lampard was in charge, isn't it? The 2-0 back, uh, I think it was September 2020. Um, Thiago's debut came out of time, didn't he? I think that will play a part because Liverpool have only lost, what was it, three games in 59 this season. I think obviously Chelsea are going to be boosted by the fact that after the uncertainty of the last couple of months, it looks like they're getting taken over and that'll be a you know, a big boost for the players. Certainly players who are thinking of what, what they want to do in the summer in terms of the future. Now they're going to be less inclined to start looking elsewhere, unless you're named Romelu Lukaku, obviously, if, if what we're led to believe uh, today. I, I think for Liverpool, yeah, it, it might not have felt like a cup final week, but it will feel like a cup final day, let's put it that way. Yeah, definitely. I think Ant- Antonio Rudiger's also decided he's off as well, hasn't he already? I think he's already. I think he was already going anyway. Was I don't think yeah. that would have made much difference, to be fair. No. Uh, anyway, Mark, what about yourself? Pleasure to have you. You're back on the pod. It's, it's been a little while, but how much are you looking forward to cup final? Uh, massively. Yeah, I mean, like Dolly said there, you know, if you were to pick one out of either the League Cup or the FA Cup, this is certainly the one that you know most Liverpool fans, pretty much all of them, would pick. You know, it's been. Far, far too long since they've won the competition, and just as almost just as bad since they got to the final. Twenty twelve since the last final, ironically against Chelsea as well, which they lost that day, and then two thousand six, which is the last one, you know, against West Ham. You no, know, sixteen years ago. You now I've said, I think I said on podcast before, certainly at the start of the season, that it's far, far too long for a club of this stature to go without winning this trophy. It's far too long, you know. You now Arsenal have become zero winners in, uh, over the last few years you now. Manchester United have won it uh, as well. Leicester won it last year. So Liverpool will be feeling that like it's certainly arguably their time. And, you know, you know, 
I think the reason that the move might not have been quite as high as it might have been is because, you know, with Man City winning against Wolves in midweek, you know, the title, the quadruple seems to feel like it's edged away a little bit. So the mood seems to have been a little bit down, maybe. But like Dolly said there, once the fans start descending on Wembley, you know, the mood will certainly be ramped back up. And, you know, maybe the Fabinho injury news might be a little bit of a negative, but you still fancy, like, the, to go and get the job done because they've gone and done it before, you know. They've not lost to Chelsea this season. They're better than at Wembley before. So you know, I fully expect them to go and get the job done again. Yeah, we'll have to, to to see how it does play out. But but Gorsty, do you kind of go along with that that it's gonna really ramp up and, and I mean the atmosphere that was created for the semi-final with Man City was absolutely fantastic. Jurgen Klopp was mm-hmm. asked about it in the press conference today, but equally I found it both refreshing but a bit confusing as well in terms of how he sort of straight batted his own attachment or lack of with the FA Cup, basically saying he knows how big it is, but for him it's never been a dream. Yet kind of in the same breath said this kind of occasion could be some of the biggest that the players on the pitch will have in their careers. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think there was any kind of great um, thought into that answer. I, th- I think maybe a couple of members of the press were looking for him to kind of wistfully say, "Oh, yeah, we used to watch the FA Cup final every year when we we lived in Germany." Um, probably wasn't the case, was it? You know, the the DFB Pokal, as it's called now. I'm not sure that's what it's always been called, but that will obviously be the the, the big trophy that they look for and. In Germany, in terms of cup competition, so um, I just think sometimes, occasionally, some um, try to, you know, because of the the FA Cup's prestige and its heritage in this country, there's always a bit of a, a question about it to foreign players or managers. I think Thiago's been asked about it lately, and um, possibly one or two others. But I think it was just a bit of an honest answer, you know, in terms of, of Liverpool's attachment with it. Um, I mean, they've not been there since 2006, which, however you slice it, is, is far too long for a club of Liverpool size. Look at how many times Arsenal have won it in recent years. They've won it 14 times, now, twice as many as Liverpool, I think. Um, Chelsea are up there as well. Um, so it's about time Liverpool won the FA Cup, to be honest. Um, obviously, we all know about the, the Michael Owen final and the Steven Gerrard final. And maybe this is made for a, a Mo Salah final or, you know, whoever, a Luis Diaz final. It's going to be another tough game. Of course, Liverpool will play Chelsea three times this year in over 300 minutes and there hasn't been a, a clear winner after, you know, Klopp said today. He was kind of magnanimous, excuse me, magnanimous enough to admit that the um, Carabao Cup final wasn't exactly a, a traditional victory, if you like, you know, beat them on penalties after extra time. So um, there's not much to separate these two teams. It's just something about Chelsea that um, means that they raise the game when they come up against Liverpool and they're already a, a top side, aren't they? Kind of a little bit of con- inconsistency here and there and that's the reason why the third and they've been out of the title race for such a long time. But um, in any given one-off match, the more than a match for Liverpool. So this is going to be a difficult one and it's a, it's one that is worthy of being a final, to be honest. You know, the FA Cup final in recent years hasn't always had the the teams you'd expect. And I, I suppose that's a good thing. You know, you don't want to see the same three or four teams every season, but this is one that the neutrals will be looking at thinking this is two of the three best teams in the country. And it's a game that's worthy of being an FA Cup final. Yeah, I'll get there before Doyley does. It's been nice to see Arsenal have a go and win a competition. Yeah, uh, let's all have a laugh. <laughs> I haven't said anything. I haven't said If you're talking about Arsenal, I just talk about the FA Cup in general. I think for, for a team like Arsenal and, and some of the others that got to the final recently, that's kind of been their main... Halfway through the season, it's become one of their main goals. But for Liverpool, it, it hasn't on the clock because they've been chasing other things. And I think he made comments to the fact that at the press conference today, he made comments to the fact that we've not been able to... Have, we haven't had... That, I can't remember. Was he manpower used? I think he used the word manpower to, to be able to compete for it because he knows it's not... The priority, the priority was always the Premier League or getting into the Champions League or being it or actually playing in the Champions League. Um, but now he's got this squad where with a with a couple of you know, I'd say fable draws. This if they win, they'll have won the FA Cup by beating Man City and beating Chelsea. So not that favourable, you know what I mean? Yeah, I've beaten the best two the best other two teams in the league and gone to what was it, Forest, and that was a tricky game. So you kind of knew what he was saying though, because Liverpool have had some rather difficult draw, shall we say, in the early rounds, which has meant that they haven't been able to rotate as much as they were able to this time around when they were playing. Was it Shrewsbury, Cardiff and, and Norwich at home? But the, so the FA Cup, it's a strange competition for Liverpool because 
Yeah, it was good. He said, it was it Arsenal won it 14 times? That's right, isn't it? Liverpool have won it seven. I think Chelsea won it eight. Tottenham have won it eight. And United, I think, have won it 14 or 13. One of those two. So, well, there's only four teams who've won it more often. You'd think for Liverpool, with all their other trophies, they'd be, they'd be, wouldn't be so far behind some of the others. But was it took them till 1965 to win it? It's always had this kind of strange. It's all you know. When Bob Paisley won all those trophies when he was there for nine years, he never won the FA Cup. So. It has been a difficult one for for whatever reason for Liverpool Liverpool to win, and as Gorsi said, ten years since the final is a bit extreme. But how many times did they get close to it? I think they got the the twenty fifteen was it? They played Villa in the semi final, and that didn't go particularly well. So you know, it's not as if they've been really close to it in that in that time. They've just not been able to do it. So whether it's an unlucky competition for Liverpool in that sense, I don't know. Can't be that unlucky. As I said, they've won it seven times. So. You know, in, in that sense, they are overdue an eighth because, as you know, of course, he said before, what was it 2006? Stephen Gerrard, even then they nearly lost it. You know, Gerrard having to score in injury time when I must admit, I was there obviously working that day and I was packing my stuff up because I was thinking I'd get down to the press box quick now because everyone's press room quick because everyone's just going to be raced after this game. So I was halfway through, put my stuff away, and someone went, have a shot. So I looked up and he hit it and it went in. So otherwise, I would have missed that goal. But that feels like yesterday to me, but 16 years ago, isn't it? It's a long time. Some of you weren't even born. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. No, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I, I was here. I, I had hair, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> Come on now. Come on now. Let's yeah, not be yeah. silly. Let's not be yeah, silly. Yeah, exactly. But Mark, I was, I was going to allude to it there and kind of Dolly said it as well. The players with the games coming as thick and fast as they have done and Jurgen Klopp said this in his press conference, haven't really themselves had time to kind of get up for this. They want to win every game because that's how they're programmed to just go in to win every game. I suppose in the build-up to it, it won't have any added significance for them, perhaps, until they're at Wembley tomorrow and they realise the occasion of the, the, the game that it is. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think you know, how many players in this squad have actually won the FA Cup? I think probably James Miller, I think it's probably the only one that I can think of that's actually already got an FA Cup in the bag in their career. So, you know, Pretty much all of those players, as well as Milner, will be chomping a bit, you know, to try and get this trophy. You know, one, you know, it's the what the main one that Liverpool haven't won under Klopp. Um, they've won all the others, but um, this is the one that's eluded them. You know, I think you know, Klopp said it in his press conference as well. Even if they do win this, you know, similar to when they played, uh, when they won the Carabao Cup, even if they do win it, they can't celebrate it like properly because they've got you know Southampton away on Tuesday, Wednesday night, whenever it is. So. You know, it, it is a bit of a strange one. I always think it's strange playing a final when there's still league games left to play. You know, the Champions League finals obviously got to be right at the end, but you know, when you've still got a couple of league games to play, it always still feels a little strange. But I say the magnitude of the, the occasion will st- certainly be dawned on the players, if it hasn't already, will be when they see Wembley, when the st- atmosphere starts building and the fans start um, descending on the stadium. But yeah, maybe it's because it's, um, you know, it's Chelsea again. You know, it's a bit of a repeat of the final uh, from a few months ago, but yeah, I still got no doubt. You know, these players are, are used to playing big games. They've played Champions League finals, semi finals, you know, Carabao Cup finals. Now they've won league titles. They've played over, you know, in the Far East and the Club World Cup. So they know what it's about to get to play in these big games. So when it comes down to it, you know, I've got no doubt that they'll rise to the occasion as they always do. Yeah, definitely right. Let's touch on some of the other elements from, from Jurgen Klopp's press conference. Then in Gorsty, I suppose. Big news out of it was the the confirmed kind of injury length, I suppose, of Fabinho. He'll miss the the FA Cup final, but Jurgen Klopp says he'll definitely be back for the Champions League final. Is that the boost, or is it the blow that he's he's missing the FA Cup final? Albeit, did we did we ever really expect that he would be fit for it? Yeah, it's a bit, bit of an interesting one. I got asked about Fabinho because um, Doyle was was one of a few from the Nationals as well who who spoke to Klopp yesterday and. Had the updates on Fabinho, and there wasn't much of an update in between 5 p.m. on Thursday and, and midday on Friday. To be honest, it's a little bit like when Klopp does the uh, the injury updates with the club official site at quarter to the hour, and then he speaks to us on the hour. and And the first question is, what are the injury updates? I mean, I suppose it's good news because anyone who's seen him hobble off at Villa Park um, will have known that. He's probably not going to be fit for the game on Saturday evening when he hovers off on a Tuesday night. So the fact that he he still does have a part to play in the season is 
good news. Um, it'll be the biggest game in club football. Liverpool will need them in that game, um, particularly against Real Madrid's midfield, which is probably their strong point. You know, Benzema aside. So um, it'll just be about getting him fit and ready now for that game. Uh, Klopp seemed quite confident in both updates, if you like, in terms of saying um, we're going to get him ready and um, they're looking to try and get him fit for you know the, the Tuesday session, the Wednesday session, as opposed to um, um, giving the green light on the Friday night before the game in Paris. So, yeah, it, it'll be good to have him back for that, but Liverpool have got to muddle through without him. Um He's first midfielder on the team sheet for me as much as I enjoy watching Thiago play. I think Fabinho was an absolute must alongside Van Dijk and Alisson in, in terms of the defensive structure. So, yeah, he'll be missed at Wembley tomorrow. It's just a case of whether... Um, I mean, I suppose it makes the midfield selection a little bit easier in terms of it just being Fabinho, uh, Henderson, Cater and, and Thiago, doesn't it? And maybe Jones and, and Oxlade-Chamberlain on the bench, Milner. But, um, yeah, I, I suppose... If you're asking me if it's half full or half empty, I'm viewing it as good news that we know he's likely to feature in the Champions League final. Yeah, Doyle was there almost as well. I don't know if it was a concession of the Premier League title race, but Jurgen Klopp later in the press conference was asked recently he's been choosing effectively three of four midfielders, Fabinho, Thiago, Henderson and Cater, obviously with Fabinho not available for selection, will he have to go to some of the others? And he sort of started, to me, going down saying, well, against Southampton, we might change it up. Depends where we are in terms of the title race. And then kind of rewound and just said, oh, actually, everyone's been key this season. We'll just continue the way in which we are. But I suppose with the title race still going on this weekend, it could be a, a different picture by the time the Reds rock up at Southampton. Well, if West Ham lose 3 now to City, I think City are 10 points ahead there. Uh, sorry, 10 goals ahead. And six points, so they'd have to lose against Aston Villa. Liverpool would have to score an absolute ton against Southampton and Wolves, which probably isn't going to happen, if we're being honest. And they've obviously got that Champions League final coming up, so why not rotate players? I'm pretty sure it'll be different if if um, West Ham get any kind of positive results against City, because then it's suddenly it's in the balance and you can put pressure on City in the final game of the season, because you know quite well that if they don't win it, there's a chance you can win the league. So... I wouldn't massively read too much into that. I just think it's be, in being sensible. You know, they played, what is it, this will be the 60th game on Saturday, and you've got, what is it, James Milne started one league game since January. Curtis Jones started against Villa. That was his first start since the start of April. Oxley chamberlain hasn't, hasn't even been in the squad since that uh, since the start of April against Watford, I think it was. And uh, Harvey Elliott's only played half an hour in the Premier League uh, since he came back from injury. So I do think there's no, with Fabinho gone as well, he, he probably won't want to, overburden Jordan Henderson because you know he's, he's the only real defensive midfielder they've got. I mean James Milner can come in and do a job and but but really you know how is he now? Fifty seven or something like that. How old is he? Thirty six. Thirty six, isn't he? I, I think he's thirty six. Yeah, thirty six. So he can do a job like he did at Newcastle, but he can only do it for like an hour or seventy minutes or come on for the last half an hour or whatever I feel. I know we'll get onto our teams a bit later on, but I think they'll have a plan for Milner at, at Wembley. So I wouldn't have read too much into it, to be honest. I just think it's him just saying, look, yeah, we do need all the players and we've needed them all season and they've all played, they've all contributed. And that's the thing, hasn't he? I mean, name me a player who hasn't done something for Liverpool this season, whether it's scoring an important goal, making an important clearance, you know, have an important game, you know. Look at Adrian, Adrian great you saves against, against Preston. Preston made a couple of great saves first half and the only time he's played, kept the clean sheet and they went on and won the League Cup. So what more do you want him to do? Yeah. So... Uh, you know, there isn't a there isn't a single player who's come in and played that hasn't contributed in some way. So I think that's basically what Klopp was getting at. And wow, you look at you know Ox, he's, you know everything points to the fact he's probably going to leave if an offer comes in in the summer. And why wouldn't you when he's not been anywhere near this team for the past for the past month? But in training, if you're up against a player of his quality, you're a doing pretty well to still be in the team, and then b the actual you know the competition, the actual training sessions themselves is making everybody better, and that's what you need. That's why you know Jurgen Klopp said their attitude's amazing. That's why you have someone like Curtis Jones who can come come straight in and play. You can have someone like Simakas. I mean, the pair of them took a little while to settle, but Simakas was excellent second half at Villa. Curtis Jones thought was good after half an hour. So that's what these players can do, and you can only do that if you've got the right attitude and you've been training properly for the months on end. 
Yeah, no, most definitely. Mark, what impact then on, on, I suppose, the Liverpool squad will it have? I mean, for Jordan Henderson, actually, does Fabinho's injury, I know it kind of sounds perverse to say, but come at the best time, he likely probably to sit in that number six role. And he's not been in the greatest of form in kind of one of those wider midfield roles, but he always looks at home when he moves back into that deeper position. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, the number six role, was, um, well, the Fabinho role, I think it's probably is. Unfortunately for him, it's probably his best position. Um, I think for him personally, I think he's gone on record saying he's not as fond of it as he is playing you know, in the number eight and you know, one or two or one or two wider midfield roles. But no, no, probably his form hasn't been as good this season. But I think one thing that he's more than made up for is his uh, fitness record because I think last season what, did he get injured? I think was it in the derby defeat Anfield, and then we barely saw him until like for a, a cameo. I think the last game of the season. Whereas this year, I don't know off the top of my head, but I don't think he's must, missed many games if much um, through injury. So no, the young club's been able to rely on him for that. Which you know, when you've in a season where you've literally just lost Gina Wijnaldum, which his biggest asset was the fact that he was fit almost all the time, you know, Henderson's made up for it in that respect. And when you had calls for Liverpool to sign a midfielder last summer and they didn't, and there was questions about, so well, why didn't they bring one in? You know, Henderson's made up for it in that regard by staying fit all season. And, you know, now we're coming up to, you know, the business end, for lack of a better term, in the season when you've got the, you know, the two finals, which, you know, injuries providing, you know, Henderson's nailed on starting both of them, isn't he? You know, whether he plays in the, Southampton and what and Wolves games, you know, it probably depends on what uh, City do against West Ham at the weekend. So, you know, it's a big, big couple of weeks for him personally. But I say if he's probably the most experienced player in that team, barring Milner, um, even more so than at Liverpool because he's been there longer than anybody else. So, yeah, it's a big week for him. But you now he'll be thriving at the opportunity to play, you know, a more, even more important role than Yuri does as captain because, you know, with Fabinho not being there. Yeah, definitely. Gorsley, Mark's, Mark's been confident so far, sort of saying that he, he'd expect Liverpool to, to kind of get the job done. But I suppose in Chelsea, I know earlier in the season we were dubbing, is this going to end up being a season that Liverpool could be a great cup side? Now, of course, they've they've reached all the finals in the cup competitions they could have done, but the league campaign has been so, so strong as well. Yet Chelsea, I suppose, are kind of that cup team who on the big occasion really do come to the fore. Yeah, I think describing Liverpool as a cup team does them a massive disservice, to be honest. They're just a great team, aren't they? They're certainly the, the best Liverpool team that I've ever known, and Dooley would be able to tell you a little bit more about the teams you kind of compared against in, in the 80s or so on. Um, but Chelsea, yeah, to an extent, they are a bit of a cup team, aren't they? The um, Sam Tuchel came in in January, was it? Um, 2021 and guided them to a Champions League final. They are looking to add the... Um, FA Cup to that, um, obviously got to the Carabao Cup final. But I just think for two hugely contrasting set of reasons, both both teams want to win this. You know, for Chelsea, it's kind of to mask over what has been a season that's gradually fallen away, particularly since the turn of the year. Um, they're looking to paper over the cracks of all the Roman Abramovich sanctions that are ongoing, all the uncertainty surrounding that. Um, and looking to kind of salvage something from a season that, was promising so much up until um well just just a few weeks ago I guess when they were knocked out the Champions League and then it really became apparent that the title ch- charge gone so um that's why Chelsea are looking to win it Liverpool's is you know for much kind of happier reasons they're looking to kind of cement a legacy add, add to the to the the greatness of the Klopp era if you like closing on another trophy that could still see them win a you know certainly a domestic cup double but also a treble and, and you know even the unlikely scenario of them winning a quadruple so both teams going for this for for very very different reasons but i don't know which one would want to win it more because of those reasons so that's why i think another reason why it's set up to be a could be a bit of a classic cup final to be honest you know look at chelsea last year they were beaten by uh, another reason why chelsea would want to win and actually i think this is the um the only team who were looking to avoid defeat for the third straight re- season in a FA Cup final. Uh, they're obviously beaten by Arsenal and then Leicester and they get beat by Liverpool and they've got that unwanted little statistic to take back with them. So, um, yeah, it's going to, be, going to be a fascinating game, I think. And um, I think we might just be looking at extra time and possibly penalties to sort it out. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Bracing yourself for mm. it. Uh, 
Doily, I suppose in terms of the other legs of whether it be a cup treble, whether it be the quadruple, how much pressure does this game put on on those? Because if Liverpool end up losing this, they lose out in the Premier League title race. Surely, all of a sudden, the the, the pressure on winning the Champions League final intensifies even more. From us going, if speaking of a potential quadruple, they could end up with only a League Cup. Not really. Sorry, guy. That's I don't fine. think it makes it. I don't think it makes any difference to be honest. I mean, if Liverpool have got to zero finals and finished sixth, and they're in the champion, okay, maybe not sixth, fourth, and they got to the Champions League final, I think the pressure would be exactly the same. If Liverpool win all of the trophies, I still think the pressure is the same. Going to the Champions League final, they'll still want to win it, for partly because of what happened in 2018, and also partly because it's the Champions League final. Why on earth would you not want to win it if you've got all that, got all that way? So I can't see it having any any. I can't see having any impact on it at all. On that, then, I mean. Jurgen Klopp's been quite keen to kind of stress the point of trophies doesn't equals how successful or strong a, a season has been, yet it quite clearly to football fans matters an awful lot. Does the 2013-14 season kind of back that up that even Liverpool didn't win that Premier League title, I think up until maybe the title race of 18-19, of even the nineteen twenty season, that fans so fondly still look on that season of Liverpool being able to compete, albeit that, that season didn't end with silverware? Sorry for the dig then, by the way. Um, yeah, I think that... OK, what I'll say then is compare it to a little bit more recent times. Liverpool in 2019-20, and forget what happened at the end with coronavirus, just go up to about March, the start of March, compared to the season before, 1819. Because up until that point, in 1920, Liverpool obviously running away with the league. They were still in the FA Cup, I think, just about. And they were still in the, they were still in the Champions League. They'd only played the first leg against Atletico Madrid. Um, but the season before, I'd argue the season before was far more enjoyable to watch and was far more enjoyable for supporters, even if you take away the Champions League thing. Because I just think that the way that they were doing it in the league was every week you thought they can't possibly win this. It's like, oh, they've won again. You know, we said we've said this before. So that was a season, okay, yeah, they won the Champions League at the end. But in terms of the actual Premier League program itself, I think fans far more enjoyed, not far more, but certainly more enjoyed that kind of. What is it that he said, Jürgen Klopp said, the journey of 1819 compared to the journey of 1920. Now, whether or not that would be different if they got the chance to celebrate at the end with the fans you know, winning the Premier League, we'll never know that, to be honest. But yeah, the point about 13-14 is to a lot of fans outside of Liverpool, they just see, what is it, Stephen Gerrard falls over and Chelsea win, uh, and Man City win the league, haha. But for Liverpool fans, for about four or five months it was like again what on earth's going on here you know it's like every single week you turn up and it'd be well hang on they're just sorry to say but they just be Arsenal 5-1 4-0 up after about 20 minutes that's the kind of thing where when you're not expecting it and I do think this season who at the start of the season thought any team other than possibly Manchester City was going to get to the final of all these competitions and still be in a chance winning the league when we're in what we're going to go into the third week in May no one thought Liverpool would do this and even if it ends with them winning only one trophy, it'll be disappointing, yeah? But I still think all the fans who've been to the games or watched them on television, they'll be like, well, what an amazing season that was. It'll still be remembered no matter what happens. Yeah, yeah that... sure the, the players will want the medals. Obviously, they will. And I think, personally speaking, if they don't win at least one more trophy, that will seem... That will seem... While you always get what you deserve in football, well, unless there's, there's bribery and cheating involved in it, um, which of course never happens in football. That never happens. Never, never happens. Um, and let, uh, you normally get what you deserve. So Liverpool, you, the worry is by going for everything, they're going to end up winning nothing at the end, and that is the worry from spreading yourself too thin. As Gorsi said, Chelsea now they've only got the FA Cup to go for. Man City have only got the Premier League to go for. It's made the what Friday the thirteenth of May. Liverpool are still in three other competitions, having won the other one. So. You know, this time, well, this time in nine days, they'll, they'll only be in one competition because the others will have finished. Simple as that. Yeah. It's one of those, isn't it, Mark, of kind of that, that building up of a connection with a fan base. And you've seen so many Liverpool fans through the course of this season saying these are the moments to cherish and remember because it's the kind of season we've never seen before, despite what titles or not Liverpool do end up landing. Yeah, I mean, you know, I can speak from my personal perspective, you know, growing up certainly like in the early 2000s, that sort of era where, you know, the treble season was probably just a little bit, you know, a bit too young to remember it properly. I have vague memories of it, but, you know, like 
Louis to they you know obviously the Istanbul one's the first proper memory of us win- of Liverpool winning a big trophy and then the FA Cup final year later. But after that, you know, it was like the 13-14 season where you know that there was just awesome the belief again that Liverpool could challenge on pretty much every single front. Well, certainly on the in the in the Premier League anyway. Obviously they went in Europe that year. Um so and then you know since the Owen Cops come in, you know, 17-18 was a br- brilliant season. You know, obviously they didn't win anything that year, but you know they got to a Champions League final and Finished fourth again for to secure Champions League football for a second year in a row, and then you know whatever happened, or well, we all know what happens after that, you know, with you know winning in Madrid and then the Premier League and then the subsequent battles with Manchester City in the title. So, yeah, I mean, you no, know, like noise is there. I think if they don't win at least one of the last two uh, finals against either Chelsea or Madrid, you know, there will be understandable disappointment from, from myself personally. I think everyone will be as well, especially when certainly for the last probably. Since the one the Carabao Cup against Chelsea, there's been so much talk about a quadruple, which you know, personally I've not gone behind because I've always thought City will always have the edge in the league. But there's always been that belief that they could do it in the cup competitions. And now that they're literally 90 minutes away in each game from winning another trophy, you know, you know anything's possible. You know, I say anything's possible in football. If you're 90 minutes away from getting a trophy, you know, why not go for it? So, you no, know, pretty much who knows what can happen? Who knows? You know. Chelsea tomorrow, you think Liverpool are favourites, but you never know. Chelsea might play out the skin, and then no, you never know. And then Madrid, you know, you've seen what they're capable of when they're down and out almost con- pretty much every single game in one knockout game in the Champions League this season. PSG, Chelsea, and then Man City, and all of a sudden come out, comes out of nowhere and they get a win. So, you know, who knows what can happen, but you know, whatever happens, whether they don't win any more trophies, like like Doyle says, there, this season will be remembered for. The fact that, even though it probably has isn't going to happen, the fact that a quadruple was possible for this long into a season, I don't think any team, certainly in English history, has gotten this far into a season while it's still mathematically possible. So, no, who knows? No, and even though it was still mathematically possible for Chelsea in, in 2007, I'm not sure the, the title race actually went on that much longer. I think it was more just a case of when it wasn't actually um impossible for them to do. Gorsty then let's let's talk a bit about Jurgen Klopp and Alexander Seferin, the, the text conversation they've had mm-hmm. and Jurgen Klopp's thoughts on UEFA. He was making out through the, the course of the press conference how little he wanted to to look ahead and talk about the the Champions League final with Real Madrid. But of course he did get onto the ticket allocation. The ballot was yesterday a number of people disappointed by it of missing out on tickets and, and Jurgen Klopp again kind of re-emphasise the fact that, that more tickets should be finding their way to, to genuine supporters. Yeah, um, I think Sheffron said this week, didn't he, at a, at a conference in Vienna that um, he spoke to one of the managers of the two finalists and kind of explained UEFA's stance. Uh, so it was James Pearce, actually, who asked the question, was it you? Um, was it you, Jürgen, and, and what, what was said? And to be fair, because Sheffron didn't name the manager, Klopp was under no kind of rest to say it was him, but, but he, he did say it was him. He said he had a text conversation back and forward with the UEFA president and basically said um, why aren't tickets cheaper? Essentially, why aren't they cheaper and why aren't more made available to fans? Because Liverpool have got an allocation of under 20,000 for the start of France and I think it holds somewhere between 75,000 and 80,000. I imagine it's a minted allocation for Real Madrid as well. So, you know, under 40,000 uh, and the rest is corporates and whoever else. And I was trying to think the other day, who's the kind of who's the most obscure celebrity we're going to see in Paris? Because you see them enough at the Paris Saint Germain League game, so they're going to be crawling. Dale Squires, do you think? Dale Squires, <laughs> I'm going to go with. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. At least he's there on official Echo business. You know, you, yeah. you're going to see. I've seen like Leonardo DiCaprio in 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 the crowd for some Paris Saint Germain game. So. I'm just wondering who's going to be pitching up for the Champions League final when it's all singing or dancing. Um, but yeah, it's always it's always baffling me how um, how little allocation that the fans get for for these type of games. Um, we all know the corporates schmoozing goes on, but does it need to be to that extent? I'm not sure. Uh, and then Klopp said a little broadside at the Nations League as well. Well, he he did say, you know, I'm not an expert on, on the situation. So I was glad to be able to speak to Sheffron and he could kind of give me a little bit of information of how it works and 93% of the income goes to the clubs and UEFA gets 7% of the ticket uh, income. But um, 
why does it need to be your you know Nations League games? I think he called it the most ridiculous idea in the world of football. The players who played 50, 60, maybe even 70 games for club and country all season, then have to go and play three, four, five more for the for the, the countries in the Nations League just because there isn't a major international tournament on. Uh, but that just goes back to something that he's been calling for for years, doesn't it? A kind of reform of the calendar, and I'm sure he'll beat that drum until the day he retires. Yeah, most definitely. I think from what you said there, we can maybe, with Theo Squire's official echo business in Paris, get him to, to do a Martin Brundle style kind of running around Paris trying to find <laughs> can, the Can you the imagine celebrities. that? Nearly every single person he goes up to. I have no idea who this is. Who are you? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you're, not, you're not a footballer, a former boxer uh, footballer, or a former boxer. <laughs> I have no idea you are. <laughs> yeah, but with his love for F1, it might be funny to, to just send him on that business. Right, before we get into picking our team, just one one. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Can I just throw it by or into this tickets thing. Yeah. I, I mean I I mean I'll tell you what'll happen for a start. There'll be more than twenty thousand Liverpool fans in there. There were twelve thousand went on general sale uh in April. They all sold out. I'm pretty sure nearly all of them will go into the hands of somebody with a, a Liverpool leaning or a Real Madrid leaning and some of the corporates will sell it. That is just the way it works. We saw the in fact the last time there was a full stadium for a Champions League final was Liverpool against Tottenham. And I, I reckon half as in genuinely half of the stadium was Liverpool and the best part of most of the other half was Tottenham because they just got their hands on tickets because they always do. I think what's annoyed fans a little bit, this is just, if I'm right in saying this, I think for the ballot that's just taken place, I think they threw in the season ticket holders with the members, which is two separate things entirely. And basically what it's meant is a lot of people who go to a lot of the games are a bit disgruntled and some people who, would go to games, but don't go to all of them. I've, I've been more successful. I mean, obviously, you want to be as inclusive as possible, but given the fact that UEFA initially were going to give away 5,000 tickets to for free to you know, fans who, who were regarded the most loyal, whether that's the oldest ones or being the season ticket holders the longest or being, the, you know, being members the longest, whatever, however, was decided by the clubs. And I think all four semi-finalists made that decision saying this is too fraught with... You know, basically favoritism. So we'd rather you didn't do that, and you'd, instead you you actually subsidise the price of the tickets for the for the lower two categories, which is what they did. But even then, seventy five percent of the fans, Liverpool fans, and you know, Rembrandt fans, are paying one hundred and twenty five quid at least to get a ticket, which is a lot of money, no matter how much you know you want to say. Look, it's a Champions League final, isn't it great? That is still a lot of money when you consider how much they're gonna it's gonna cost to get there. So I do think fans in these particular situations get you know it's difficult for them to get there but you know we, we know that a lot of the more resourceful ones will always get a ticket but that doesn't necessarily mean that they have to go you know jumping through hoops to try and get it and spend an absolute fortune in the, in the meantime so and in terms of the allocation i do sometimes wonder whether you wait for absolutely petrified that somebody who's not particularly popular gets to the final and they don't set out their allocation which is why you know say the finals in st well it was going to be in st petersburg wasn't it so you know I've never been to St. Petersburg. I know some people haven't said it's a great city. Um, so no problems there, but it's quite a long way away. And let's just, I don't know. But it was in the St. Villa. Okay, there you go. St. Villarreal got to the final and played in St. Petersburg. Would they have sold at their allocation? I'm not entirely sure because you may have heard this before, but the entire population of Villarreal would have been able to fit inside their stadium, which is not no. true. Isn't it, isn't it the whole of the population would have fit inside Anfield? It's about 50,000. Yeah, 50,000. 50, yeah. yeah, yeah. So you're... Oh. I've not yeah, heard exactly. that one before. Yeah, exactly. Apparently, yeah. Apparently, yeah. apparently, yeah. So the tickets thing—you can see why it, why it's become a bit of an issue. I mean, I know 15 people who applied for it, and only two people got it, which is a bit lower than the 29.5% that mathematically the club were quite rightly saying people have been successful. It's just the way that it's fallen. But uh, yeah, the only good thing for Liverpool is that they keep getting to the Champions League final, so most of these people get a ticket anyway. Yeah, right. Anyway, uh, one bit of transfer news that I did want to ask you about, Doily, before we get on to picking mm. the team. The name keeps popping in. We are recording live on, on YouTube and Facebook. Is Chua Many? I know you wrote on it not too long ago for the Echo. Mm. What's the state of play there? Well, they're in, they're interested in him in the sense that they know he is and they've been watching him and they've been looking at him. But whether or not he comes is entirely down to a lot of stuff. The first thing being... If he moves this summer, unless a Liverpool midfielder moves, it's unlikely he'll be joining. 
uh, and he might end up at Real Madrid because you know that the feel is amongst not just Liverpool but other other clubs that's where he's heading up because Real Madrid have been looking to do their business early. And the thing about Real Madrid is that we know that a lot of the midfielders are getting on a bit, so there's obvious gaps for them to fill, and there's obviously progression. But for Liverpool, it's not quite so straightforward because they've still got you know Cater's not old, Henderson is presumably going to take on the Milner role. They've already signed Cavallo. Um, Fabinho's not particularly old. Curtis Jones isn't old. Harvey Elliott certainly isn't old. So it's where they go next and which player do they want next? Because if they want Jude Bellingham, which they're definitely interested in, he's not going to be going anywhere this summer because Dortmund don't want to get rid of two players and two of the bigger players in Haaland and, and, and Bellingham. So it may be just a, a waiting game. So... You know, my, my understanding of it is certainly at the moment, and these things always change because we know what it's like, but, and I know the fan websites are now at the ready, but don't worry, I'm just going to repeat what I've already said so you don't have to put, you know, put me these, these quotes out again, is that at the moment, Liverpool are not expecting, in terms of midfielders, a very busy summer transfer window of 2022. Presumably that means unless some players leave or want to leave and Liverpool get the offers that they want, then they might have to replace them. Uh, but it looking like it could be 2023 purely on the basis of the age of the players they've already got and their contract situations and the availability of players that they would like. Good luck yeah. transcribing that. Yeah, no. <laughs> just to just to add on to what Doyle is saying, there, I think Liverpool are very relaxed about mm. the Jude Bellingham situation because he's already at a top European club in Borussia Dortmund. He's only 18 years of age. I think Liverpool are prepared to give it another 12 months before they kind of make potential move for him. He um he does seem to tick plenty of the boxers, doesn't he? They're looking at the kind of homegrown quotas, they're looking to keep that replenished as the you know certain players get older, you know, i.e. James Milner or an Oxley Chamberlain moves on or whatever it may be. So um yeah it's similar to Doyle in terms of Tukamen he does seem to be you know the apple of Real Madrid's affection at the moment. But I just wonder whether 2023 sees Liverpool make a, a big move for Jude Bellingham. I think, um, like like Dolly says, you know, Dortmund are desperately not going to be looking to lose him this summer with Haaland going. But in 12 months' time, when they kind of look to continue doing what they're doing in terms of being like a, an elite selling club, if you were, they, they, they do that so well, don't they? So um, that could be a potential avenue for Liverpool. Liverpool are more than capable of getting through next season with the midfielders that they've got. I mean, yeah. you might say, what happens if Henderson and Fabinho get injured? Well, that's a bit like saying, what happens if, if Alisson and Kelleher get injured? These mm. two players in a, in a very specific position. And yeah, they'd have, perhaps one of the others would have to learn how to play in that position. That's just that's just football. That's what happens with, look what happened with the centre-backs. The E can't just go out and buy four centre-backs. You know, three of them returned, one of them went out on loan and they signed Canati. So, you know, I do think that you know, if, if Liverpool don't sign a midfielder in the summer, I don't think it's the end of the world. No, Mark, you'd sign up for that though, wouldn't you? Miss out on Chiumeni perhaps this summer if Jude Bellingham were to arrive the following year. Yeah, um, I'd go along with that. You know, I mean, I've not watched, I'll confess I've not watched much of Chiumeni uh, with Monaco. By all accounts, he seems, you know, a decent player. You know, if Liverpool, a club like Liverpool are, are interested in him, he's obviously got to have some talent about him. But, you know, me from a, a purely a personal perspective, if I were to ask me who would you rather sign, Joe Bellingham or Shawmany, I'd go with Bellingham. Uh, no questions asked, that's for sure. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, then definitely right. Let's get into picking our team then ahead of the FA Cup final with Chelsea. Allison between the sticks. Uh, Doyle, you can you can select the defence. I thought, I thought you were going to say that ahead of the FA Cup final with the Emirates or something like that. Like they're the sponsors of it. No. Yeah, very on, very on brand guy. Very on brand. Um, no, Liverpool, Liverpool were preparing at the AXA training centre ahead of the game, though. So. Yeah, okay. Yeah. In yeah. playing in the who? What are the kids yeah. sponsored by? I don't know. I can't remember. Uh, oh, <laughs> we, oh, we lost Mark. That's a shame. Um, yeah, right. The, my the defence, the defence. I think obviously Dandy Robertson was rested on. Tuesday, which anybody's watched the last couple of games, not an entire, you know, massive surprise, that one. Uh, I think he'll obviously come back in. Trent will play, Virgil van Dijk will play. And then you're left with a decision between uh, Canati and Matip. And I wrote a piece, I think it was the Blood Red last week, actually, saying it will be interesting to see what Klopp does because over the next couple of weeks, because Matip's played all of the, um, Matip's played nearly all of the Premier League games. Canati 
has played all of the FA Cup games and he's been playing most of the Champions League knockout games. So Matip hasn't kicked the ball in the FA Cup. So for me, it would be unfair. And it'd be right, actually, that Canate should play because he had a, a decent game when he came on in the in the League Cup final against Chelsea. OK, fair enough. Mark, you dropped off there, but you're back. What's your back for for, for the game? Um, I mean, I just caught the back end of what Dolly was saying there. I mean, personally, I would have gone with Matip for this game. I mean, I certainly get the view of, you know, Canate's played in the FA Cup throughout this competition. Um, um, I think, to be honest, I don't think there's really a wrong answer in this. You know, I think if you went with Matip, everyone would go, yeah, okay, sound. And then with Canate, the way he's impressing his debut season at Anfield, I think everyone would do the exact same thing. Um, you know, I just think there's just the hesitancy of, you know, it's the big final. And if who, was, who would you rather have for the biggest of games? It would be Matip, but, you know, if Canati started alongside Van Dijk, I, I wouldn't have a problem with it. So, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go Matic, but if it's Canati, then, yeah, no problem. How much, Gorsley, in that sense, then, is this going to be maybe a rehearsal, a forethought, plan for the Champions League final selection? Which side of the fence are, are you sitting? Um, I mean, I suppose it's just about picking picking your best team, isn't it? You know, it's always, it's always the saying, isn't it, if you were playing in a... FA Cup final or a Champions League final tomorrow, what it be a Liverpool team? Um, now, they're not going to have Fabinho, but for me, Matip is ahead of Canate um, in the defensive pecking order. Not by much, admittedly, but um, it'd be interesting to see the amount of clean sheets Liverpool keep when Matip and Van Dijk are the centre-backs as opposed to Canate and, and Van Dijk. Um, so it's going to be Matip. Uh, Robertson comes back in. I think he'll be fully rested after a pretty... Um, Hectic few weeks, um. So yeah, that's that's my back five, and then um, jump me midfield while I'm here, or. But yeah, I mean it, it's similar to the one. Well, it is the one I said earlier on. Actually, you know Henderson as the defensive midfielder, Thiago, and Keita. Had Fabinho been fit, it would have been a little bit more difficult to to weigh up the merits of Keita and Henderson. I thought Henderson was very good when he came on the other night, actually, um, at Villa Park. So um, I'm not as overly concerned as um I probably should be given there's no Fabinho but Henderson at the uh, the base of it and Thiago and Cater. Anyone any disagreement for that or is that the midfield we think? I mean I, I, I mean I think well for a start no no disagreement. I think that'll be the midfield. But a couple of things. One, big game for Thiago, don't forget he got injured in the warm up the last time. So he'll be pretty desperate to to make an impression, even though he did play against City in the semi-final and played very well at Wembley. It's, it's different playing a semi-final to a final at Wembley, obviously, because I've done it loads of times myself. Um, and uh, I, I think it's five subs, isn't it, in the FA Cup? And I think this will play a massive part because I wouldn't be surprised it went to extra time like the the uh, the League Cup final did. And then you're looking at the likes of James Milner coming in, doing a job. I think Harvey Elliott came on, didn't he, in the League Cup final and played for the last 40 minutes or something like that. And Cater had been thrown in literally with about five minutes to, before the game started. So I think at least unless somebody gets injured in the warm-up again, Liverpool will be better prepared for this one. Because if you remember that game, for the first 10, 15 minutes, they were all over the place. And Chelsea, if it wasn't for Keller, would have got at least one goal and should have scored a, should have scored one themselves when they can't remember what it was. Was it Pulisic? can't remember. I know he stayed from Pulisic. Somebody, it must be Mount, actually. I think Mount put it wide. But... Um, yeah, I think that has to be the midfield, but it absolutely will not be the midfield by the end of the game. And I think the ones who come off the bench, whether it's Elliot Jones or Milner, they'll have a big part to play, whether that's looking after the result that Liverpool have got or helping them get back into the game. What about Ox? Serial FA Cup winner. He didn't get mentioned before, actually, but he's won, won plenty of FA Cup. He hasn't been on the bench for quite some time, apart from European games. No. So it would be a bit of a surprise if he came in. Although, yeah. of course, of course, there is a, this, an extra space for Fabinho being unfit. So it will be, again, it, that in itself is a story. Who was on the bench? Yeah. Mark, what, what about the forward line then? What are we thinking? Uh, I was to say, it's a bit of a tricky one. I think that, that's, that's testament to someone like Luis Diaz, who's just come in, has been an absolute phenomenon since he's come in. Um, I think he is, has got to start for me personally. Um, but then that leaves the question of what do you do with, um, <clears throat> with the... Um, the centre forward role. I think obviously Mo Salah starts, no question, on the right. But then through the middle, I think, you know, is it going to be Sadio Mane, Diogo Dotto? And I think probably Firmino is probably not going to be starting. If it might be on the bench, but I don't think he'll start. So it's either Mane or uh, Jota. And, you know, 
Jota, I think his form has gone down a little bit, not much, but a little bit, certainly in terms of the goal scoring in the last month or so. Um, but So I think it's got to be Mane through the middle for me. So it'd be Diaz, Mane and Salah. Yeah, it does feel that is the, the front three. Dooley, I know you spoke about it, I think, what, before being out in, in Portugal, before the Benfica game, about Diogo Jota, if he's not scoring goals, he doesn't look great on the eye, but he's been scoring goals. In fact, he's I not... Thought, I, thought, I thought he had a good game against Aston Villa. I thought it was the best game he's had in yeah. ages, actually. I thought he did really well, certainly second half. It wasn't it, obviously it wasn't just him bumps the team played better second half, but he, he, he kept the ball the better. Left, he? he was sorry. He was going out to the left as well, though, not in that. Well, yeah, that's what I mean. It's kind of that's his best position, isn't it? Through the middle slash going off to the left or starting on the left and ended up in the middle. That's where he gets a lot of his goals. Obviously, he doesn't get many goals out of the left. That'd be some goals he'd get scored from there. But yeah, you know, you see what I'm saying there. But he did he did well, but I don't think he's done enough in sense of actually getting ahead of Diaz Mane and Salah because they'll They'll start this one. And again, with the five subs, this could be a game where a little later on Firmino could come on and do something because he'll be he'll be fresher than every other player on that pitch by that point because he's not played that much this season and he's uh, he's somebody who knows how to play these big occasions. Or off the bench, course, it's the Divock Origi moment was still <laughs> the last one we're waiting for. Could very well be, yeah. Um, well, for me, Firmino's back now, isn't he? I'd imagine he, he, he might get... A nudge before Divock, but um, yeah, if Liverpool are absolutely desperate for a goal, then there are worse places to turn than, than Origi. But um, for me, it's going to be um, Luis Diaz off the left, Sadio Mane down the middle, and Mohamed Salah on the right. Um, Diaz for me is just just top class. Every time I watch him, he's he's just got so much to his game, but works his socks off as well. Um, and he's been. He was Liverpool's man of the match against Chelsea in the Carabao Cup final. Um, and obviously with Salah, you know, you know, we can settle the game at any moment. And Mane is probably in the form over the last two months, in the form of his Liverpool career since, what, 2019? So um, I think that as a front three is good enough to do the business. Right, prediction time then. Gary's jumped in early. 2-1 in normal time. Mark, you can go first. What's the score going to be? I'll echo that. That was my I thought about the score prediction before the game. I was trying to think, but 2 one's the one that jumped out of my mind. I don't think it'll be quite as dull as the Carabao Cup final in terms of the scoreline. So, yeah, I'll go 2-1. Ghosty? I like the sound of that. Um, means we avoid extra time and penalties. And, and we get home earlier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. one past Mendy to make it 27-28. Um I just got a feeling it's going to be decided late on. Um, Liverpool on penalties again after a one-all draw. Right, okay. And Doily, what about yourself? Four-three. <laughs> on not penalties the, is not what the score will be um, because I tell you what, if it finishes four-three now, I'll be very annoyed. Um, one-all, and it will get to penalties. Yeah, and. Jorginho's going to try and do one of his clever ones and he'll fall over and I'll just you'll say this voice from the press box it'll just be me <laughs> laughing my head off going ha ha he's done it again uh, and that'll win Liverpool the, the FA Cup and yeah, I'll be well, on your the laugh or... yeah my laugh yeah, yeah. yeah and, I'll, and, I'll, and I'll be on the pitch not celebrating with Liverpool but just like going up to Jorginho and saying how many times mate come on you just got to stop doing it now just stop it of course we'll, we'll replay this next week and after he scored the winning penalty you'll be like oh you looking idiots but you know that's life, isn't it? That's the chance we take. If we don't say anything interesting, who would listen to this podcast? Who says we say anything interesting? Well, that's it. Who says anyone's listening? Yeah. <laughs> exactly right. Anyway, that's all we've time for on this edition of Blood Red. Of course, make sure you're across the Liverpool Echo website. Bright-eyed and bushy-tailed as Gorsty and Doily will be there at Wembley with all the coverage that you need, as well as Theo Squires running around trying to find what celebrities at Wembley he can. But for myself, Guy Clark, Mark Wakefield, Paul Gorst and Ian Doyle, thanks for your time and your company. It's bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.